2020, episode 120. Have 2020 vision with Ion 2020, the podcast that brings you all the news and events in the lead up to the next presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date as we approach November 2020 with a libertarian perspective of all the candidates and their policies, along with the news. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's clear our vision. What's up, everybody? This is Ray, your host that brings you Monday through Friday, the show, Ion 2020. And that is your source for the news, the related events, the things that are going on, the things that are happening in the lead up to the 2020 election. Things got exciting last night, guys. Got exciting last night. I guess if you're a Trump supporter, also if you just like to know what's going on with the news, Trump launched his campaign last night. In Orlando, Florida, I sat there and watched the entire thing for you. That's right. I watched the entire thing for you so that you would have the knowledge and the thing. You'd know what I, you'd know what to talk about. And that's what I did. So I'm sure you guys did not. But if you did, well, then you guys know what I'm talking about. But anyway, his supporters were excited. I mean, he packed the house. I think there was... 25,000 seats and he got them all. I think they had 125,000 people that tried to get in. And you know with the Secret Service and stuff, they make sure that they screen everybody who's going to come through that door, right? Making sure that they're not going to raise a fit. They're not going to come packing heat, things like that, you know. So that's just the way it is when it comes to being the President of the United States. But yeah, he had his supporters going crazy. And uh, you would expect that, though, right? They've been he he's very natural on the campaign trail. That's just the way that Donald Trump is. So, uh, before we get into this thing, though, let me go ahead and say this: subscribe to the show if you haven't. You know, if you haven't subscribed yet, but you still listen, go ahead and subscribe to the show. Share it with your friends, and then also, I would really appreciate a five star rating and review. That's always helpful for those algorithms and stuff. You know that. I said that. I say that on pretty much every show. So go ahead. If you haven't done a five-star rating yet, do that for me. It's really simple, actually. You just scroll down on whatever podcast you're listening through, and uh, there's got to be some kind of way to review it or give you a five-star rating or something. I know on Apple iTunes, that's the way it works, which is now Apple Podcasts, actually. Uh, but I'm sure all the other podcatchers have some kind of way to rate the shows as well. So I would appreciate you if you did that. You can also email me, that's ray at iontheempire.com, and the reason why I set that email up is just so I can communicate with you guys, but I'd love to hear stories of things that you guys are doing with regards to liberty, spreading the message of liberty, spreading the message of the libertarian movement, and uh, it doesn't have to be a podcast that you're doing, it doesn't have to be a website that you have, I've been featuring those people, but it could just be a story, something that you're doing locally, or a story about how you talk to your friend, maybe help them to see, see the light. I don't know, I mean, whatever you want to tell me about, I'd love to share that on the show as well, because that is you making a difference in the libertarian movement, that's you making a difference in somebody's life, to help them to see that they can survive without government, that they can be dependent upon themselves, that, that maybe they can be more critical and have a critical eye of the government that we live under because 
we all know that freedom is important, liberty is important, and so forth. So let me know your stories. You can do that right at IonTheEmpire.com. You can also type in I on the Empire on Twitter and on Facebook and find me there. And IonTheEmpire.com is my website as well. So the Trump campaign was launched last night. And I'm bringing you this as soon as I can because I just thought it was... Um, I don't know. I mean, it was interesting to watch the way that his fans are, the way that the people that love this guy, how they react to him, right? Um, even me, like I'm sitting there watching it and you watch it and you're like, ooh, you get a little bit excited about it, you know? And I'm not a Trump fan by any means. I am not a advocate of most of his policies. I do like some of the things that he's done. I think I've said that in the past. I will give him credit where credit's due, but I'll also criticize him where it needs to be criticized. I think it's the you, you can make a fair evaluation of anybody in that sense, right? He is still a statist. He's still looking to use the state to get his means across. He is willing to bypass the Constitution. So those are things that challenge me with a guy. But when you listen to campaign speeches, they usually get focused in on very, you know, 50,000-foot view type things, right? They don't get very specific. They try to hit on topics and things that have been well, you know, that have been well researched. So the people that are writing these speeches and stuff, they know what Donald Trump's people want to hear. They also know what a lot of people that are like libertarian minded and freedom focused want to hear as well, because those are the people that he's trying to bring around. He's also trying to bring the independence around. So they're going to be they're researching these things to find out what those people want to hear. And then they feed those things into his speeches. Now, Donald Trump, as you guys know, he's always been very much going off a of script. He did not go off a of script too much on this particular um, this particular speech that he had as well. So, I mean, he pretty much read from the script most of the time, but he did go off of it a little bit. But it's more just, you know the normal Trump stuff, but there has been times where you're watching his speeches back in 2015, 2016, where he's completely off script for two hours straight. This speech lasted probably about an hour and 10 minutes or so, and he made some key points about his campaign uh, in 2015, the things that were going on and so forth, but he also, you know, talked about a lot of things that he's done since he's been in office, and I'll get to that in a moment. So the first thing that I, the first thing that when I first put it on, uh, Vice President Pence was on the stage, and he's basically making his little stump speech for Donald Trump, saying that it's you know we need to reelect Donald Trump again and blah blah blah, and he says this is the one thing that he said that I thought that got huge cheers out of the audience because this is playing to Donald Trump's base, the people that got him elected, there was one of the things that was the main focus of Donald Trump's original campaign, which was the wall, right? Build the wall. And he said, under President Trump, Mexico has done more to secure our border than Congress has done in a decade. The people cheered like crazy to that. And the reason why they cheered like crazy to that is because, I don't know if you guys remember this, but Donald Trump said that Mexico will pay for the wall, right? Well, this is getting back to the idea that Mexico is going to pay for the wall or pay for border security and so forth. And this all happened within the last, what is it, two weeks or so when Donald Trump decided to put those 5% tariffs on Mexico. But then Mexico decided that they were going to fall in line with what Donald Trump said. And then they started doing some, you know, they, they said that they're going to act 
to help secure the border, right? So that is what Mike Pence is referring to when he says that. And it made me think this, that Donald Trump, part of the campaign, is that he's going to run against Congress. He's not going to run against the Democrat. He's going to run against Congress in some way. And in his speech, in all the speeches, that's what you're starting. That's part of the thing that you're starting to hear is that all these people are establishment people. All these people are people that are part of the swamp and so forth. Uh, the people that he's running against, they're just establishment people as well. And they can't even act to get something as simple as border security done. And then Mexico is now the one that's doing it more than Congress is doing it. So he's running against Congress in some way, according to Mike Pence. And then he talks, starts talking about the promises made, and they are promises kept. And he says, uh, to keep America great, we have to reelect the president for four more years. That means more jobs, more judges, more support for our troops. It'll take four more years to drain that swamp, he said. And those are things that Donald Trump was promising on the original campaign. We're going to drain the swamp, so we need four more years to do that. And then they talk about how he is draining the swamp now and so forth, but it's going to take four more years. It's a hard process to get rid of the corruption in Washington and all that stuff. So these are things that his base really likes to hear. And that's what... Um, Mike Pence was saying he also said he also refers to some of the candidates in the Democratic field and he says today Democrats only believe in socialism it is freedom not socialism that gave us the most prosperous nation in the history of the world when Americans are given the choice between more freedom and more government Americans choose freedom every time and that's kind of where Mike Pence left off obviously he introduced uh, Donald Trump and Melania at the same time. But that last little part that I just read, today's Democrats only believe in socialism. So that's another theme that he's going to be beating up on the Democrats for is the fact that they're looking for more government. They're looking to go turn back to all of the corruption, all of the larger government, all the policies, all the you know the things that were going on before Trump. That's what they're saying. And that's what Mike Pence is saying, and that they're looking for more government, and now they've even turned towards socialism, and that's the theme within the Democratic Party. Well, Americans want freedom. When Americans are given the choice of freedom or more government, they choose freedom. It was a, to me when I was listening to it, like I said, it's all 50,000 foot views things, right? If you're just listening to them and if you're taking things at face value, if you don't criticize Donald Trump too much, you're going to love the speech that he introduced Donald Trump with. You are. So I thought it was, um, I thought it was interesting to watch the way that the crowd got involved in it. You can see that there's a lot of excitement in these people's minds. You look at the people behind Mike Pence when he's saying all this stuff. And they are really making a lot of noise. They're cheering. They're happy. So that was interesting to watch. So then Melania Trump gets up and introduces herself. And he says that um, Donald Trump will work on your behalf. And he's you know very happy to work on your behalf and so forth. And then Donald Trump gets up in there. And he's very, very much in his element on the campaign trail, you could tell. 
that's something that I noticed when you're watching him in 2015, 2016. He's in his element when he's talking in front of people. He enjoys that, you can tell, you know. I think that he feels more comfortable there than he does talking to news reporters and so forth, obviously. But he also, you know, once he gets that crowd roaring, it kind of helps him out as well. He, I mean, he just feels very comfortable, and you can tell that in that case. He immediately starts calling out the fake news. And he says, they didn't fill up the, he says, something that affected like this, we have 25,000 seats here, and if there was three seats missing, there was three empty seats, the fake news would get up there and say that he couldn't even fill an arena. And he says, we had 125,000 people request this. I said, should we take it to Orlando or should we not? But we decided to bring it to you because this is a, you know, practically my home state, blah, blah, blah. They get some people cheering because they're all from Florida. And then he also starts calling them the fakers. The fake news is the fakers. And he points the fake, he points right at the camera and he says the fakers right over there. So he's calling the fake news the fakers. That gets the crowd roaring as well. I mean, that's just something that he does. He's good at doing that. Um, not defending the guy's policies, not defending the guy's anything. He's just good at getting that crowd going, and that's something that they love to hear. I mean, you saw it with the campaigns in 2012 whenever um, Newt Gingrich got up there and was talking about the, the news media and giving them a hard time, and people love to hear that because when you're listening to the news, especially as a Republican, you think that all the news is slanted towards Democrats. That's just the way that Republicans are. And it's true, most of the news media outlets, they seem to be liberal, uh, especially the commentary people, the opinion people, the people on the 24-hour news cycle, on CNN, MSNBC, and so forth. They have their thing, and then also a lot of the newspapers and so forth are liberal. All that the Republicans have is Fox News and Sean Hannity and all that. And boy, you should have heard Sean Hannity after this thing was over, because I actually watched it on Fox News and it was cutting into Sean Hannity's time, but he said at the end of this thing, he's like, and that's the way to launch a campaign. I love it. He's doing so much for our country. And, uh, like Sean Hannity was practically having an orgasm over this thing. It was really funny to watch. But like I said, I do not necessarily get all excited about campaigns. I don't get excited about different politicians and stuff it drives me crazy actually to even listen to these people talk sometimes but it was interesting like I said the way that the people reacted and it was funny to see how Sean Hannity reacted afterwards to me I would never think like that I mean I was watching it and I was like wow this guy really does rule the room when you listen to him talk he has he has some charisma and so forth um, there's no doubting that and he gets his he gets his supporters right you know, the crowd's going and so forth. So that's good for him. I think that it was a good way to start his campaign when I looked at it from in hindsight. I'm, now that I'm thinking about it, it was a great way for him to launch his campaign. I don't think he said anything controversial, but I haven't watched any of the other news media to see what they're thinking about, whether it's being controversial or how they're going to spin it. I have no idea. Um, I'm sure he said something controversial, but who knows. He did talk about like the African-American community being at the lowest unemployment rate in history 
and he's also talking about african-american poverty is the lowest it's been in a long time that they're doing great things for minorities and so forth um getting them back to work and everything else uh he did talk about that so maybe the african-american community or whoever the leaders are are going to get on cnbc or where or msnbc and start saying that's not true i don't know but those are facts that he was throwing out who knows if they're true or not it could have just been to get people cheering but we shall see i guess the i mean i guess i'll have to look it up and see if these things are true or not but um i have heard that i mean the Unemployment rate overall is at the lowest point. It's been like 54 years, so it's probably the case that African American unemployment is very similar and moving down in that in that slope as well. I would imagine teen unemployment I've heard is really high, but that's across the board for all races, especially minorities, because of the places that they're living and so forth. If they're in a poor community, so. Okay, so one of the things that he is really focusing on is that he has created, in 2015 when he started this campaign, he didn't realize what it would become, but he's talking about it being a great political movement, probably one of the greatest political movements in history, is what he says. He says, our country is now thriving and booming and soaring to new heights. The American dream is back. It's bigger, better, and stronger than ever before are a few of the things that he said. I don't know if that's not exactly the same way that he quoted it, but those are two things that I highlighted in that particular section of the speech. He is calling his, but like I said, he's calling his campaign one of the greatest political movements in history. And that's what he's trying to tie in during the the speech. The speech writers are trying to tie in the people around him, the people he's speaking to, as well as those who are watching the TV, as being a political movement that gives people the feeling that they are moving history forward. That gives those people the feeling that they need to continue to move this political movement forward. So that's building that coalition that he needs, um, which is which is you know a powerful way to get your message across is to get people to think that they are contributing to it right that they are part of that movement and he keeps on referring to them as we have done in our movement and so forth throughout the throughout the entire speech that's what he says is it's you that have done this it's us it's we he's using plural words as in the group and him right it's not me it's we and he keeps on saying that and i think that that is obviously psychological obviously psychological, to get those people to act, to get those people to get out there and bring their friends into the movement, to get them to feel like they are, inspire them to do more. That's what he's trying to do. He says, uh, he's pointing to the fake media and he says, look, that is a lot of fake news back there. That was pretty funny to watch. It gets the people excited again, obviously. Uh, And then he says, we transferred power two years ago back to the people. So, He's referring again to we transferred power back to the people. And he talks about, in that whole entire thing, he's talking about how Congress is corrupt, that Congress has taken the power away from the people, that it's the political leaders, it's the businesses, it's the cronyism that's going on and so forth. He talks about that. And he says, we took, the in that two and a half years since I got elected, we've taken the power back and given it to the people. That, to me 
he's really trying to have that message that says that, you know, he's the person that is making it so that we have liberty, that we have freedom and all that stuff, that it's not Congress, that Congress isn't acting and so forth. Um, it's interesting the way that the way that his speechwriters had him do this, but he keeps on referring to, like I said, it's we and it's us, it's our movement and so forth. Um, he says, again, nobody has done what we have done in just two and a half years. Keeps on using that we. And then he says, they are trying to take down our movement with the investigation. Not my, not my movement with the investigation. Or they're not t- trying to take down me with the investigation. They're trying to take down our movement with the investigation. They will do whatever it takes to take us down. They spent $40 million plus to take us down, he says. It's a witch hunt to take us down, our movement. So that's what he's doing. I mean, it's really interesting the way that he's putting all this stuff. But that's what he has to do. He has to inspire these people to act. He has to build up himself and his credibility to get them to act. And that's what he does later in the speech. He starts talking about unemployment. He starts talking about those themes that he has, the you know, the trade deals. They're going to be great. They're going to be great. They're going to be amazing. They're going to be awesome. We've already worked on one with South Korea, and now we're working on it with China. Look at the stock market. It did great today. Look, at, look where we're at. We're making records in the stock market every single day. All the time we're making records. So that's what he's talking about, how great the country is now. How wonderful the country is, how amazingly prosperous we are, and so forth. So that was one of the themes of the speech as well. And then at that point, he gets to the point where he says, well, what should our motto be then? What should the motto for this campaign be? What should our, I mean, it was make America great again, he says, MAGA country. Let's make sure that, you know, that's, he says, that's the best slogan in the history of slogans for presidential runs, make America great again. He says, how do we get rid of that? How can we possibly get rid of that one? And then he says, or should it be keep America great? I mean, look at us. We're already great. We've become great because of our movement, he says. Keep America great. So then he actually, this is, I, this is psychologically probably the best thing that I've seen, I saw in the speech as well. He actually lets them vote on it. He says, so I'm going to call out. Make I'm going to call out one of them, and then I'll call out the other one. And we'll, I'm going to let you decide what our motto is going to be, he says. And then he says, make America great again. And the people cheered. And then he says, keep America great. And they freaked out. I mean, they went bat butt crazy. I can't say the word because I don't swear on my show. But they went crazy for that one. And uh, keep America great. So that's now the slogan for his new for his new um, campaign, Keep America Great. He says, when I sit at the Oval Office, I think about how the American people can win, win, win today. So that was, that was interesting, but he keeps on turning it back to them. He talks about a lot of stuff that he did down the road, like, you know, how great the country is, but he said, you know, manufacturing is coming back and blah, 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 blah. So anyway, that, oh, then, yeah, then the statistics that he said is 6 million new jobs, unemployment rates lowest in 50 years for all racial groups. African-American poverty is the lowest in history. 
most people working ever, and women's unemployment is the lowest in 74 years. Raises, wages are rising fastest in decades, especially for the lower incomes. I don't know if all of that is true. I'd love to see the statistics. I'm sure if he said something that's not true, that the media will start talking about that pretty soon, and I'll let you guys know what I find out. Um, but overall, I would say that he was able to keep it at a 50,000-foot view enough where he didn't get too specific on policies, he didn't get too specific on what he's going to do down the road, he just kind of went over what he did. And pretty much anyone can agree with all that stuff, I guess. The only thing that I saw that really, really irked me is he said, he starts bringing up the anti-war idea, he tried to say that, Troops are leaving in droves from these countries that we don't need endless wars and blah, blah, blah. Kind of reminiscing back to 2015 and 2016, playing lip service to that. And then he said that when on the headline for antiwar.com today, it said uh, a thousand more troops going into the Middle East. So troops are leaving in these countries in droves. We're going to create peace in the Middle East and blah, blah, blah. Yet they're sending a thousand more people to the Middle East now, a thousand more troops, they're ramping up tensions with Iran, and so forth. So maybe, and a lot of the media is saying that Trump has escalated with Iran, and he can't real, re rein it in now. It's already been done, right? That he's going to have a hard time reigning in Iran. So we'll see how that works out for him. Um, but he did say that, and it really irked me, because you guys know how I stand on foreign policy. It drives me crazy when a politician... Um, or when politicians send people to war, it drives me crazy what he's doing internationally on foreign policy right now. Uh, the way that they he allows like the John Boltons of the world and Mike Pompeos of the world to kind of have free reign in the Middle East to get their thing, you know, to get their agenda across when really we need a peaceful agenda. And Donald Trump talks about that stuff. He does. He even gave lip service to it for a few seconds during this campaign rally. So who knows what he really thinks. I don't know. But he, anyway, that really irked me. But otherwise, the speech, like I said, it stayed 50,000 feet high. So that pretty much anyone that watches it can sort of agree. Obviously, the media is going to look at it and find out all the facts and stuff. Um, if any of those facts are untrue that he quoted, then they'll let you know about it as well. And I'll let you know about it also. Uh, but yeah, overall, uh, it was... An hour and a half wasted of my life watching a politician talk. That's how I always feel about it. And uh, hopefully I gave you guys a little bit of information so that you'll know where his message is going to be down the road. Uh, which, to me, it just seemed like he's going to boost up his own credibility over the next 18 months of what he's been doing. He's going to use it as a we, as a, our movement and so forth. He's not going to take credit for himself. He's going to say it's us and, uh, and you know, build that movement going forward. He is owning the economy, though. That could blow up in his face if the economy falls apart. But I've said this in my, I've said this before. Maybe he's taking a stance on some of these trade issues, like with China, with different countries, right? Maybe he's doing that to kind of sink the stock market just a little bit because you know these people listen on the, on the stock exchanges, right? As soon as they hear good news about the economy, then they, 
then the economy goes up. As soon as Trump says something negative about tariffs, the stock market goes down. So maybe he's just saying it enough so that maybe he could amplify the stock market going forward because he looks at that as his barometer of whether the stock market's or whether the economy is doing good or not. So, but he has something to run on when it comes to the economy. I said that in the past. He can run on that. He could rest his laurels on the economy and he doesn't have to get all controversial with all this foreign policy mumbo jumbo that he does. So, um, anyway, that seems like what he focused on in this particular speech. He focused on the wall a little bit as well. So, but he kept it 50,000 feet just enough to where most people would pro- kind of agree with what he's saying. People that lean more towards like a libertarian, hands-off government type thing, they would probably feel good about it in some way. It's just enough to play to his base, though. And that's what he's doing. He's trying to get them riled up. He's trying to get them moving forward as a group of people who are part of a movement. And that was basically the theme of this thing. Uh, anyway... Thank you coming. Thank you for coming out and listening to the show today. I appreciate it. If you want to come back tomorrow, go ahead and subscribe to the show. And then reach out with me with some of your stories, Ray at IonTheEmpire.com. I'd love to hear them. I'd love to talk about them on the show and give you the last minute of my show. You will have the last minute of my show if you're doing something for the libertarian movement. So uh, I appreciate you guys, though. And then come on back tomorrow and you'll have clear vision for 2020. Hey guys, before we completely wrap up the show, you can actually send me voice messages if you go to anchor.fm slash ion2020. You can actually send me a voice message. And one of my listeners sent me a voice message today, and I just wanted you guys to hear it. Then I'm going to go ahead and respond to that voice message uh, right afterwards. So keep on tuning in, all right? Hey, Ray, this is uh, Sam from the Whitfield Report. I uh, just started listening to your podcast today, listened to uh, today's episode for uh, Tuesday, and then yesterday's episode about uh, the drumbeat for Iran. Uh, I'm more of a conservative uh, libertarian type myself, so we're pretty similar, actually, in terms of our values. Um, I I did support Trump in the last election, but uh, I'm a bit more weary about him now. I'm curious to know, do you think Trump is gullible enough to start uh, a war with Iran, um, you know, if it comes down to it? I don't think he will because he knows that his base, uh, particularly kind of the conservative libertarian uh, sect that I'm in, are more anti-war. But I wanted to know your thoughts. Thanks. Hey, Sam, thank you so much for sending in a message to me about this very important issue. Do I think that Donald Trump is gullible enough to get into a war with Iran? I've thought about this issue extensively. I really have, and the reason why is because even back when he was doing this thing with North Korea, where he was trying to you know, puff up the chest and all that, uh, I, yeah, there was some strategy to that. But with Iran, I think it's slightly different. I think that there are people and actors in place that really have an agenda. For example, back in 2000, I think it was like the year 2000, 2001, before 9-11 even, there was things that were written uh, that were talking about getting rid of the leadership in Syria, Libya, Iran, Iraq. Those four places, and I think there was one other place as well that they were talking about getting rid of those leaders in those countries. So this is something that goes back 
you know, 19 years almost since they've been trying to get rid of these particular leaders in these countries. And there are entrenched interests that are trying to push this agenda. So do I think he is gullible enough to get into war with Iran? I think that his, I've always thought this about Trump, I think that his instincts are correct in saying that we should look out for America, right, and not have foreign entanglements and not have these forever wars that are going on. He even said that in his campaign speech uh, last night when I was listening to it. But I also think that people like John Bolton and Mike Pompeo are out there. And being a businessman, he probably sets his people out and gives them sort of a, a general leadership on what to do, but he lets them do their jobs and lets them do what they do. And I think that John Bolton and Mike Pompeo, they're very hawkish people and they are, you know, salivating at the mouth for war in some ways. So I think that they are strategically aligning in order to kind of force this agenda through. I mean, there's people out there on the Sunday news shows, there was one senator that was saying that we need to do strikes on Iran immediately. So there are some hawkish people out there that think that that is the right thing to do on very limited evidence. But these people are saying, you know, it's a fact that Iran did it, that we need to bomb them, that we need to strike back. And that's something that, to me, I think that somehow Donald Trump might be getting cornered by these people in that way. Um, And that's what I think. I just think that he leads his people to do what they're going to do and kind of, you know, cleans up the mess after them if they need to. And, and, you know, he'll fire them or whatever. But I think that there are entrenched interests out there that are trying to lead this war. And so is he gullible enough? Maybe. I'm not sure. I don't think it would be good for his campaign, though, and he's trying to get reelected. So um, maybe he'll put his foot down after a while. Maybe he'll figure out some way to get in there and try to negotiate with these people. But if you read the Iranian news, and I, I, I read the Iranian newspapers sometimes just to know what's going on, and they have no desire, it seems like to me, to even have any conversations with America because they say America can't be trusted to keep its word. So that, to me, that seems a little bit uh, scary as well, that they're not even willing to talk to America at this point because of the fact that America pulled out of the um, the nuclear deal, that a lot of the word that Donald Trump has cannot be trusted. So who knows? Is he gullible enough? I just think that there's a lot of entrenched interests around him that maybe are going to push this thing over the edge. Um, but no, I'm not sure that we're going to end up going to war with Iran Uh, anytime soon and I hope that that's the case for my kids sake and also for you know any of the soldiers sake that might get sent over there uh, because that would be a tragedy and something that is only happening because of the politics of the situation at, at hand. 